Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, welcome to Trinity Community Church. It's good to see everybody today. Are you happy to be here? All right, there's like 12 of you that are happy to be here. That's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's good to see you. I'm TJ. Welcome to everybody online. I know first service, we had a few online glitches. So if you're here second service, that's great. You get to see everything. Um, How many of you know what you see is important? Vision is important. I had this, uh, this thing happen to me. It was the strangest thing. I think I was about 42. I remember waking up one morning, and, and I can't tell you, I don't know how they pulled this off. I just know that this happened to me. I grabbed my Bible in the morning like I always do, about 42, and I opened up the pages, and I realized that sometime in the middle of the night, somebody broke into my house, took my Bible, replaced it with an exact copy of my Bible, but with just smaller print. And as I went to read it, I realized I couldn't read it anymore. And obviously, something dastardly had happened, and it was, it was crazy. And how many of you know it's tough to really receive the word when you can't see it, when you can't read it, right? Vision is important for us. It's important for us as, as people. Think about what you would do if you couldn't see. It's also important for us as churches to know what we see and to know what God's asking us to see so we can know where we're going. There's nothing scarier than seeing somebody drive a car and, you know, they can't see, right? You want to make sure everybody sees. I remember a few years ago, um, we had an opportunity. I, I'm always, I'm, I'm an adventure guy. You know, anytime we, we do adventures or we do things, I like to do all kind of weird stuff because I view adventure in two ways. One, if the adventure goes well, you always get great stories and great material for sermons, right? Even if it's a little bumpy, you get great material. And if it goes bad and I die, it's the greatest story ever, Right? I don't want to be like, he died. How did he die? He, he fell in the shower and died. I'd rather be, he was smoking up the, Hoke, you know, up the Smoky Mountains. He was hiking and a Sasquatch drug him into the wilderness. That's a way to die, right? So we were out there, we were, we were uh, kayaking, doing ocean kayaking, open sea. Kayaking is cool. You know what's cooler than regular kayaking? Doing it in the ocean. So Rob and I were in the ocean. We're doing open sea kayaking. We're out on the Pacific. We're by Catalina Island. Have you ever been to Catalina Island? We're out there, we do this thing, and there's maybe about 10 kayaks in, our, in our, our party, and we're out there in the waves. In my head, I was thinking like Hawaii Five-O. Not this new stuff, but the good classic stuff, you know, da 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 you know, that kind of stuff. By the way, that's tough and that's fake news. You can't do that out there by yourself. At least Robin and I couldn't pull that off. So we're out there. I still remember our guide's name was Chris. He was a guy in his 20s, and he was from New Zealand, which meant that he had the coolest accent on the planet. So we're out there, we're having a good time, we're enjoying the sun, we're enjoying the water, everything's great, and then all of a sudden, all around us, fish start jumping out of the water. Now we're not talking about minnows, we're not talking about the bait fish, we're talking about ocean fish, big fish jumping out of the water all around us, it's the craziest thing ever. Now, I planted myself right next to Chris because I've seen Jaws, one, two, three, you remember the 3D, 3D, four, I've seen them all. I got that in my head. So we're there. So I go, Chris. I said, what's going on? He goes, well, he had the cool accent. He goes, well, he goes, usually when fish jump out of the water like that, it means there's a large predator in the area. (laughs) Chris, when you say large predator, what are we talking about here? He goes, well, he said, it could be a, a tuna, could be a seal, could be a shark. 
Now, we're not talking about a shark. We're talking about a shock. There's a difference. So I said, Chris, at this point, I'm almost into full-grown panic because I'm sitting on top of a kayak. Basically, have you ever had sushi? You know that we're the equivalent to shark for sushi? Do you ever think about that? Something to think about, right? So I asked him, I said, Chris, I said, when we talk about sharks, what kind of sharks are we talking about, Chris? He goes, well, he said, we've got, we've got tiger, we've got lemon, we've got, we got mako. And he goes, and occasionally a great white comes through the area. He says, but don't worry, mate. He goes, they're on the other side of the island, like they can't swim, right? <laughs> now, I'm thinking to myself, self, you know, this is a bad situation because I understand this about who I am. I, I've told you I'm Greek. You know what that means? I'm very succulent. I've been marinating this body with garlic and olive oil and butter for a long time. One dip of my toe in that water, I, the sharks are like, is that Mediterranean? We haven't had Mediterranean in such a long time. So I'm in full panic mode. So I'm like, what do we do? And he goes, well, he goes, well, that's first. He goes, we should huddle the boats together so we make ourselves look bigger. And I immediately went to, I don't know if you, Jaws too. that's what they did. Didn't work out well for them at all. But Chris is in charge. 25 years old, Chris, you see, you see, Chris is in charge. So this is a true story. So we huddle together and we're out there and the fish are still flopping around. And he says, I think we should make a break for the shore. And I said, Chris, that's the smartest thing you've said all day. So we start paddling again. Let me tell you, I was doing a great Hawaii Five-0 And as we're heading to the shore, about 15, 20 yards from the shore, this pops up out of the water. And I'll tell you what, I could have kissed this thing on the lips. I was so excited. I said, Chris, it's a seal, we're saved. He goes, do you know sharks love seal? And I'm, like, I'm just going, I'm getting out of the water, I'm done. Keep your kayak, keep your Hawaii Five-0, I am done. Now, you know what the weirdest thing about that entire encounter was? What messed with me was I couldn't see what was underneath me. I couldn't tell. Was there a shark? Was it a seal? Was it a tuna? I don't know what it was. Do you know that sometimes the things that you can't see are the things that derail you and they mess with you? Vision is important. How many of you are worriers? How many of you are, you kind of worry? How many of you are professional worriers? Think of all the things you worry about. How many of those things practically come to pass? You know, I, I told you this story. My brother was getting, he was getting his vaccine shot. And we have a, my, my niece is, uh, she's got some heart issues and stuff like that. He was going down, he was nervous. The day he was getting the shot, he was nervous. He called me up, he goes, TJ, I'm nervous. I said, Tim, you know, you, you prayed about this. You feel like this is what you're supposed to do. He goes, no, no, I'm fine with the shot. So it's the other stuff. I go, what, what other stuff? He goes, well, I got to drive down to the city of Chicago. He lives in the outside of Chicago. He goes, what if all of this is just a ploy and I show up and there's a van and they're going to sedate me and take all my organs? I said, Tim, um, he goes, tell me, this, this is, tell me that that couldn't happen. I said, it could happen. I said, in fact, you know what? That's probably exactly what's going to happen, Tim. If I were you, I'd stay so far away from that city, I wouldn't even go near there. How do you talk? He's a professional warrior. We have people like that in our lives. What fuels the worry? The unknown. When you can't see, it injects an element of the unknown. That's why vision is so important for us as people. And also for us as churches. In fact, let's just be real. When you can't see clearly, when you're not perfectly aware of your surroundings, sometimes bad things happen. 
Now, I don't know, this from the, the show Wipeout, I don't know the waiver you got to sign to be able to go on that show. That thing must be the size of a phone book. And then two, who thinks, if they've seen Wipeout, who thinks, you know what? I know these other people can't do it, but I bet you I'm the guy that I could pull this off, right? How many of you think you could pull that? Tori, put your hand down. There ain't no way. My insurance plan isn't that good. Put your hand down. This is the funny thing about that show. It's the unexpected, right? I love the one, the one lady that's standing there resting on a, a piece that you can obviously tell is a wall that's going to smack you in the face, right? When you can't see clearly, how many of you know life has a tendency to come out and, and take you by surprise and smack you in the face? Vision for us is important. Being able to see things is important. As a believer, if you want to have impact on the world, you need to have clear vision. If not, you're just going to be wandering around not having any idea what you do. Vision is so important to us as believers, the Bible talks about it. If you've got your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Again, if you have our app, if you click on the services, you get all my notes. If you've got the version of the Bible, click on live events, you get all my notes. If you're on Facebook, check in. This is what the Bible has to say about vision. Proverbs 28, or 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. This is the same passage in the NIV, where there's no revelation, People cast off restraint. This is the same pa uh, uh, passage in the Passing Translation. Where there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Vision is a big deal to God. So why is vision so important for us as spiritual people? Well, without vision, you and I are unable to carry out God's heart. We're, we're not able to do what God wants us to do in this season. How many of you know that this season is different than last season? Trinity Community Church 2021 is different than Trinity Community Church 2015. Right? We were different than we were five years ago. We're different than we were two years ago. We're different than we were six months ago. Why? Because God's always doing something new. So what does vision do for us as a church? It does two things. First thing it does is this. It gives us direction. It shows us what God wants us to do as a church. Without, a direct, without direction, our church, just kind of, we kind of wander out and just kind of do our own thing. Have you ever wondered why? There are 33,000 denominations in the United States, all from one book. Do you know why? Vision. We can't figure this thing out. That's why most of the churches you see are small and ineffective. Can't figure it out. Vision shows us what God wants us to do. The second thing it does for us, it unifies us as a church. It puts us all on the same page. The church, when it's on the same page, when we're unified, beloved, we are powerful. And a unified church, a church that walks out in harmony, a church that knows what God wants them to do and can groove with each other, scares the enemy to bits. It does. God wants us to unify, not just in our house, but with other churches. The enemy hates that when a region of churches unifies. Do you know every Sunday morning, I talk to 11 different pastors before I preach on Sunday. 11 in our region. We lock arms, we unify every Sunday morning. Why? Because unity is important. If we want to push back the darkness, beloved, we've got to put our differences aside, lock arms, and get it done. That's what we do as churches. Are you with me, beloved? Yes. It's a big deal. It is. A church without clear vision becomes ineffective and eventually dies. 
How many of you know that you can die and still be living? Just existing and still be living. So why does Trinity exist? What makes our heart beat? Our vision and our mission here at Trinity are in perfect alignment with the Great Commission. Every church on the planet should have this as its mission statement. Matthew 28, 19 says this. The words of Jesus to us, these are our marching orders. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is why we exist, to make disciples. Our heart is to bring people to Christ to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. We want to see this entire region impacted with God's love, power, and his presence. The church here is not dead. The church in this region is alive. God is alive. The kingdom is alive. And he flows through us. He does. So here's the next question. We know what to do, but how do you do it? Have you ever known what to do, but not necessarily how to do it? So how do you figure this out? How do we pull this off? Because it's a big vision, right? Trinity, our strategy is very, very simple. It revolves around three little words. Love, grow, share. Love, grow, share. Say it with me. Love, grow, share. Little words, powerful. I believe this. The gospel, I believe, can be spread. Our mission can be accomplished if we can get our head and our heart around those three little words. I think if we can grasp those things, live those things out, we'll fulfill everything that God's asking us to do. So today, when we talk about vision, We're going to talk about the things that God is doing in our house here, TCC, that bring us into alignment with his heart. So we start with love. Everything always in the kingdom starts with love. When God defined himself, he defined himself with one word, love. So here at Trinity, we are committed to loving God and people extravagantly. We're committed to loving God and people extravagantly. We don't do the bare minimum when it comes to love, whether it's to God or whether it's to anybody else. We are extravagant lovers. We are. We go the extra mile. We take the extra step. We do not just what needs to be done, but three or four steps beyond that. It's extravagant love. Have you ever experienced extravagant love? I remember um, years ago, Robin and I, we went to the same high school together. Uh, in 11th grade, we were in chemistry class together. We had to sing at our school called the Sadie Hawkins Dance. Now, how many of you know that, you know, dances in high school were a pretty big deal? Especially if you were in the 80s. You know, we had movies like 16 Candles and all these other things. Just a pretty big deal. So we were there, and at that point, Robin was dating this, this kid, Jeff Talakini. Jeff, I hope you're listening. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. So her and Jeff, had they hit a little reef. The love boat hit a reef. Every once in a while, the love boat hits a reef, right? And, and whatever happened, I don't know if they dumped whoever dumped whoever, but she found herself on the eve of the Sadie Hawkins dance without a date. Um, I also did not have a date because my girlfriend dumped me because obviously she had terrible taste. <laughs> obviously. So through our sophisticated communication in 1987, and a lot of notes in chemistry, (laughs) we coordinated and we decided to go to the Sadie Hawkins dance together. Now, going to a school dance is different than a normal just go to the mall date. 
We're not talking about going to Burger King and skating. This is a school dance. And because it's a school dance, you have to take up the level of extravagance up just a little bit. So the school dances, again, they always, you always have corsages. You see the, see the flowers right there? That corsage on Robin's arm, she could wield that like a shield. You know what I mean? And notice the fashionable colors in the 80s. Everything had pink or mauve, right? Just the way that it is. So we had the flowers. I remember I picked her up at the house. My dad had this ginormous Cadillac that was one foot shorter than a school bus. You know, I'm not taking, I'm not taking the, you know, the, the, the Ford Escort. We're taking the Cadillac because it's a big deal. And then we went to Red Lobster. You know why we went to Red Lobster? That's where fancy dates happen. You want to go fancy, you've got to go to Red Lobster, right? So we went to Red Lobster. We went to the dance. We had nice pictures. You can go to the next picture, actually. I think that's the actual picture. I even wore a gold reflective bow tie. Not sure why, but I did. It was the 80s. I don't know what to tell you, right? And we had a really nice time. We still had the pictures to prove it. It was not your normal date. It was a school dance, and it was important, and it was great. So the level of extravagance went up. You know how much it cost me, a pizza delivery boy, to pay for the flowers, the tickets, the red lobster. I told her, I said, you eat more of those biscuits. Those biscuits, we're eating all those. They're free. Eat those biscuits. Those cheddar biscuits, <gasps> they're amazing, aren't they? I had a supernatural experience just now, right? <laughs> extravagant. Why is it extravagant? Well, it's got to mean something because I want to try to impress. That's what extravagant love is. It's not a normal thing. This is not doing the limbo at the roller rink. This is not the norm. It's different. It was extravagant. This is the type of love that God talks about when he refers to us and him and us and each other. Do you know that God loved you so much? He gave you the best thing he had, his son. The best. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's the best. There's nothing better than that. He loves us so much, and he set the tone for us to show us what loving was like. In fact, if you get your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 28, or 12, 28. He kind of paints a picture for us of what this love looks like for you and I. It says, now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. When he saw how beautifully Jesus had answered all their questions, he posed one of his own and asked him, teacher, which commandment is the greatest of all? Jesus answered, the most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord, your, the Lord Yahweh, our God, is one. Verse 30. You're to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with a passionate heart, from the depths of your soul, with your every thought, and with all of your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself. You'll never find a greater commandment than these. Extravagant love. We have to love God with the passion that's in your heart. All of the passion that's in your heart. When's the last time you pursued God with all of the passion in your heart? That's the love that he asks us. With the depths of your soul, what does that mean? Do you know that God gave you your emotions? You can worship and pursue him with your emotions. With every thought, having your waking thoughts on God. Church not being something you got to check the box to do, but something you can't wait to experience with all your strength. When's the last time you pursued God so deeply and so heavily? You got done and you just felt like a dish rag. You're like, man, I, wow. This is the type of love that God is asking of us. This is extravagant love. This is not your run-of-the-mill love. This isn't just showing up. This isn't just mailing it in. 
This is that time of love that says, man, when I get there, I'm going to give God everything. Now, what I just described is exactly how all of us come to church on Sundays, right? Can't wait to get here, right? Like Rocky IV. I remember I took Toby, oh gosh, about a month ago, he went to see the, the Eagles and the Steelers play. And it was amazing. You get to the Eagles things, and man, you talk about a crowd that's fanatical. You Eagles fans are fanatical over a team that's not very good. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Hey, we're both 1-0, baby. We're both, we're undefeated, right? So is half the NFL, but that's another story, right? I watched a stadium lose their minds over leather and things that we won't even think about next year. How much more extravagant should we be for eternal things? Do you know that each one of you here represents a story, a life, a trophy, in God's trophy case, of something that has changed in eternal? How incredible is that? So I'm encouraging you with this today, beloved. Don't be afraid to step in and to come to God's house with expectancy and excitement. Don't just come here and just have to, have to tolerate what happens here. Have you ever been to some place you didn't really want to be at before? This better not be that place, girls. <laughs> Ladies. I had, uh, I had eye surgery a couple weeks ago. How many of you love going to the doctors? Exactly. So I go there because my appointment's at 11 o'clock. Now, I may live in a fantasy world. If you tell me my appointment's at 11 o'clock, I would love to see somebody at 11 o'clock. Maybe five after. I sit there, it's surgery, so they give me the the robe that covers nothing. I sit on the table. The nurse goes, you know, Mr. Harris, you're going to be in the surgery thing. Uh, do you need to go to the bathroom? I said, no, I'm good. They start wheeling me back for my surgery. I'm there at 11 at one o'clock. I'm sitting in there for two hours. As they're wheeling me out, I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. She goes, why would he ask you that? I said, two hours ago, I'm old and I have the bladder the size of a walnut. I need to go again. You know what I did for two hours? Complained. Any professional complainers here? This stinks. This is dumb. Why am I here? Why are you here? Where's the doctor? For two hours. Why? Because I didn't want to be there. Do me a favor. When we come to God's house, when we come to him, we don't tolerate God. We, we love him. We engage into him. We, we plug into God. We don't tolerate God. This is not the DMV. We don't put our time in. We love him extravagantly. That's what we do. And understand this. Guys, do you know that you know, there's a little principle of sowing and reaping in the kingdom of heaven? If you come in here and you prepare to tolerate God, if you come in here expecting nothing, that's probably what you're going to leave with. So what did you expect today when you came in? What was the posture of your heart when you came in today? What's the posture that you have with God every day? Is it expectancy, excitement? Is it extravagant love? Or is it something different? Is it something less? God doesn't want to be tolerated. He wants to be loved. Just like you and I, we want to be loved, not tolerated, right? So do me a favor, beloved. When it comes to love, let your worship experience reflect love. Let your life reflect the joy that you feel. Love him. So when's the last time you loved God like that? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Do me a favor, bow your heads just for a second.
Have a conversation real quick with the Holy Spirit. You just ask him. Say, God, do I love you like that? And listen to what he tells you. Are there other things that are higher on the list than him? And just listen to what he tells you. He speaks to you just like he speaks to me. He'd be showing you other things. And just ask him, say, Lord, will you help me to love you the way you want to be loved? Reveal to me, Lord God, the way you want to be loved. And walk in that. So there's extravagant love to God, but there's more. He didn't just stop at saying, just love me and don't worry about everybody else. It's the heart of God that we pass extravagant love along to others. Mark 12, 28 says this again, and we read it earlier. It says, this is the great and supreme commandment. 31 says this, and the second is this, you must love your neighbor the same way you love yourself. You'll never find a greater commandment than these. It's not just about loving God in this house. It's about loving people extravagantly as well. We don't just put in the bare minimum with people. We don't tolerate people. We love people. I remember we were doing, um, this is a heavy season for us. We got, you know, Family Fest is coming up. There's going to be 5,000 people here. We're going to love them to death. And then we got the, uh, the, the tree sale. You know, we don't sell trees to make money. We sell trees to love our community. And then we have all the stuff that's going on for Christmas. It's going to be crazy. Last year I was working the Christmas tree sale. And I'll never forget this. I was there and a lady pulled up in this little blue car. And she's all excited because she got to get out because COVID was still kind of doing its thing, a little harsher than it is now, but it's still going around. She was excited because she was going to have a regular Christmas and she had a few family people that were coming over. And she walked through it and I, she had cocoa and she picked out her tree and everything was great. So I put that tree on the top of her car. I tied these knots and I'm thinking, dear Lord, I was never a Boy Scout. So I'm like, you know, at least let her get away from this place before this tree falls off her car. I tied it the best that I could and I got done and she's starts to frantically look through her purse and stuff like that, and she realizes she doesn't have any money. She forgot all her stuff. So she's freaking out. And I said, bam, I said, don't worry about it. I said, you just take it. It's on the house. You know, may you be blessed. She goes, no, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I go, okay. Well, you don't have any money, and I ain't taking that tree off your car. So you, we have a decision. We're at a crossroads. The valley of decision is here. I said, how about you just take that and this, use the money you'd pay for the tree, and you bless somebody else. And then she starts to cry. And not just, you know, she starts to ugly cry. You know what ugly crying is? You know, ah, ah, you know, ugly crying. And I remember, why are you doing this? Why would you do this? I said, because we love you. It's extravagant love. You go beyond the norm. God places people in our life all the time that need to experience love, extravagant love. Do you realize this? Sometimes, your interaction with people, the way we love people is a reflection on how God loves them. And you loving that person in that moment may be the only God-like love they've ever received. So do me a favor, before you write people off, instead of writing them off, why don't you maybe put your arms around them and just love them like Jesus would? Some of the things we write people off for, beloved, are just dumb. They disrespect me. Put your respect in the closet. It'll be fine. You'll be okay. Right? So we love God and people extravagantly. Second, we grow. At Trinity Community Church, we are committed to growing in our faith and helping people to grow in theirs. Why? This simple fact. God designed healthy things to grow. 
Everything that's healthy should grow. Healthy relationships grow. Healthy faith should grow. Do you know that your faith was designed to grow? You were not designed to be stagnant. You were designed to grow and become. Not just do, become. You're a human being. God has something that he wants you to become. It's all part of growth. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, Grow in grace and in the true knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, the anointed, to whom be glory, now until the coming of the new age. Amen. Healthy things grow. By the way, do you know who's in charge of your spiritual growth? Do me a favor, take your finger, point it at me, I'll point it right back at your face. <laughs> see, how, see what I did there? You see what I did there? You are in charge of your spiritual growth and development, not me. Now I'm here to feed you and I'm here to equip you to help you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And on Sundays, I prepare a meal for you that you can eat, that you'll challenge you and help you. But how many of you know if you eat just once a week, you're going to be weak? Now I know as I look out here right now, I'm looking at all you guys. Most of you, I can tell, eat more than once a week. And some of you have been eating at the well a little too much. Eat. Spiritually take control of your spiritual life. Grow. Get your nose in the Word. Read the Word for yourself. I said this last week. Let me echo this again. Listening to just podcasts all the time isn't enough. Get your eyeballs on the Word. We need more voices, not more echoes. Don't tell me all the stuff that everybody said. Discover God for yourself. Know what you believe. The only way you do that is by spending time with him, learning how to listen to his voice, and starting to break open the scriptures for yourself. So you might be sitting here today, and you may say, Pastor, but you don't understand. I'm just, you know, my faith is dull, and, 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 and it's boring, and it's stale, and I don't know what to do. Do you know why your faith is boring and it's stale right now? Because you made a decision to stop growing. Now, every once in a while, we hit the valley of the shadow of death. Every once in a while, we have the dark night of the soul. I get that. But nine times out of 10, if your faith is boring and you've lost energy and emotion and passion in it, it's because you have drifted from the, from the vine. He's the vine, we're the branches. Get close to Jesus. Get close to the vine. Now, why is it important that you and I continue to grow in our faith? It's important practically so you'll know the truth. And if you really know the truth, if you really know who God is, you won't be swept away by things that aren't him. You won't be swept away and confused by crazy doctrine and things. Beloved, now more than ever, the church needs to know what she believes. Even inside the church, there is great division. And I don't understand that. Because we just need to get really close to Jesus, stay anchored to him, stay anchored to the vine, and just ride this thing out. The church is steady, the church is strong. This is what Ephesians 4.13 says about us anchoring to God. It says, we must become like a mature person, growing until we become like Christ and have his perfection. Now that word perfection in the Greek actually means completeness. Verse 14, then we'll no longer be babies. We won't be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We won't be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. No, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ who is the head. The goal for us as believers is to grow 
to know what we believe, and to be rock solid and steady. Maturity means that we don't lose our minds. We don't run this way. We are steady. Steadfastness. People see that and they can anchor to that. Your growth just isn't for you. You know, I've heard this so many times, this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But don't think that it's just about you. It's not. God saved you. Not so he can say, look at this thing, you know, put you on the trophy case, put you up on the shelf. He didn't save you just so he could look at you like you're a fine picture. He saved you and then gave you an assignment. Go and rescue those that are in darkness. He saved you and then he gave you the keys of the family business. What are the family, what's the family business? To seek and save the lost. That's the family business. So we grow not just for our benefit, but we grow for others. Why? Because God called us to make disciples. God wants you to grow so that you can disciple other people. Making a disciple is more than somebody just saying a prayer. We have a lot of people, beloved, that said a prayer and they think they're good, but they're not discipled. That's scary. That's the beginning. That's not the finish line. That's where everything gets started. Discipleship is tough. Making disciples takes time and, beloved, it's going to cost you something. So here at Trinity, we're committed to growing in our faith, and I'm here, and I'm committed to you. I'm going to help you grow in yours as well, because that's just what we do. We lock arms and we get there together. So Trinity, we love God and people extravagantly. We don't stop here. If this is the line, we take four steps beyond it. At Trinity Community Church, we are committed to growing in our faith, and we help others to grow in theirs. Then last, Trinity Community Church, we're committed to sharing our faith and our lives with others. As a believer, you and I are called to share our faith. Isn't it funny that sharing our faith is such a struggle for people? When was the last time you openly shared your faith? Do you know why we struggle to share our faith? Because it's such a powerful weapon in the church's hands. And the enemy will do whatever he can to shut you up. Yeah, you remember how you want to share your faith, and what are all the things that start popping in your head when you share your faith? What if I do it wrong? What if they laugh at me? What if I screw this thing up? What if I lead somebody in the entire different direction? And Do you know why the enemy attacks that part of you so much? Because it's so strategic and so valuable. It is. But God designed us to share our faith. And we struggle, even though Jesus is the greatest thing that happened to us. Is anybody here like me? Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Why wouldn't I share that? Think of all the dumb things that you share with other people. I found this pillow on Amazon. It is amazing. Right? All these little things that we're terrified to share with people. But Jesus, the greatest thing ever, we, we struggle to share those things. I remember when we first got to Denver, somebody told me, they said, you got to try, you got to go to Santiago's and try a burrito, a breakfast burrito. I never had a breakfast burrito. So I didn't even know what they were talking about. So they have this thing in, in Denver, this, it's this green chili garnish they put in there. It's like a sauce. I never had it. So I went over there, stood in line like 20 minutes to get this stupid burrito. I'm thinking it's better be good, staying in 20 minutes. Buck 50. And I remember, I'm starting to tear up a little bit. Hold on. The tortilla touched my lips. The heavens opened. <laughs> I don't know what they put in this green chili sauce. It's the greatest thing Manna, I believe, was a form of a burrito 
that came down smothered in this green chili sauce. And it was so good, that first one, I got in line and I bought another. Another buck fifty. Take my money. Just take it. It changed my life. I don't know what to do. I just changed my life. Everything around my life was oriented around those burritos. The shop was literally within walking distance of the church. Every morning I'd put my stuff in the church and I'd walk, whistle, because I knew I was going to get me some burritos. I'd go in, I'd get a sack of burritos for buck 50. We had some issues with the, uh, with the, uh, the Goodwill before I got there. So I'd give all the guys at Goodwill a burrito. Like I was giving them $20 bills and, and it made everybody happy. Everybody was just happier because they had these burritos. And then this weird thing happened. I think I was doing it subconsciously. Every conversation I had somehow, some way, I would work in a Santiago's burrito. Even in my churchy opportunities, be sitting with people, you know, and here married, married is the greatest thing you ever did. You're going to love her and you're going to love her too. And it is, it's the greatest blessing you could ever receive is this marriage and your love for each other. Kind of like a Santiago's burrito. You know, I, I'm sorry that your, your dog is dead. Uh, you know, God has a place in our heart for all those things that have died. And they've gone on to, to a better place. Like the burritos at Santiago's are better than every place. And finally, like they sat me down. Rob was like, you got to stop talking about these burritos. I think you got a problem. I think they were right. I landed in Denver about two months ago for a funeral. You know the first place I went? <laughs> Santiago's. <laughs> it was. And it hasn't changed. It's still amazing. I told everybody about Santiago. They all knew about it. I told everybody. Why? It was amazing. If I can share that about a burrito, Jesus Christ in me has done way more than a burrito's ever done. Think of all the things in your life that you can't wait to talk about. Why isn't Jesus one of those? Make Jesus one of those. It's our privilege to not just love God, but it's our privilege as believers to make him known. This is what Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says. Walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. Boy, those three words are big words. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace. We don't come at people with tomahawks and hammers. We drench our words with grace. We temper them with truth. We speak the truth in love. And then we bring what? Clarity. I think one of the reasons why sometimes we struggle as churches is we don't have clarity. Let God bring you clarity. You speak what it is. It is what it is. Do you know? Oh, I didn't want to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Everybody say Pastor TJ. Say we love you. Because Jesus said we had to. If you, if that's true. If you bring people into the, to the faith under the guise of something else, you get, bring people to Christ and you tell them all their problems are going to go away, that's a false gospel. That's not the truth. And then what happens is people come in and they get discouraged because we haven't been truthful with them. We haven't been clear with them. Clarity, clarity, clarity. It's important. It is. It says, for then you'll be prepared to give a respectful answer to anybody who asks about your faith. So we have to be ready, open, aware of kingdom opportunities. Now, let me just remind you of this. Please don't be a spiritual jerk. That means don't go home and get the 30-pound coffee table Bible Wield it like a, like a samurai sword 
and kill people. The truth without love can be used to destroy. It can be harsh. It can be terrible. You've heard me say this before. I don't like the cancel culture at all because my Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does your Bible say that? Okay, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Cancel culture started here. Done. Get out. This is a house of restoration. It's a house of redemption. This is a house where lost people come home. It starts here. How many of you know lost people don't have it all together? I know they don't have it all together because I don't have it all together. If I don't have it all together, you know, maybe there may be two or three of you. Roger's probably fine, but there's probably two or three of us, right? So, beloved, do me a favor. Understand, we speak the truth in love. We help people out. We share these things. It's what we do. Don't be a spiritual jerk. But this also means this. When we go around with people, we have to be aware of kingdom opportunities. We don't walk through our world blindly. We walk through our world aware, saying, Lord, will you show me when you want me to have spiritual connections with people? 1 Peter 3.15 puts it this way. It says, we give reverent honor in, our, in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of, our li- of your lives. And if anyone asks you about the hope living within you, always be ready to explain your faith. Now, we don't just share our faith with others, but we share our lives. Why do we share our lives? Because Christianity is more than words. Talk is cheap. As church people, as believers, our talk has to match our walk. That means that it can't just be the cool things that we say. We have to live it out. When it comes to loving people, Um, when it comes to really being in people's lives. This means for us practically as Trinity, we don't shy away from living in community with others. We don't shy away from serving others. This is not a consumer organization. This is not a Walmart. This is not a Target. Or if you're fancy, this is not a Target. This is a church. The last I checked, the church is a people, not a place. You're the church. We don't come in here just to consume things. We come in here to serve. We help others. We share our lives with others. In fact, if you decide to take that step to share your life with other people, what ends up happening against the kingdom of heaven, you end up helping yourself. Christianity is not a spectator sport. God asks us to step in. Isaiah 58, 10 through 11 says this. If you feed those who are hungry and take care of the needs of those who are troubled, then your light will shine in the darkness and you'll be bright like the sunshine at noon. And look at 11. The Lord will always lead you. We need leading by him. He'll satisfy your needs in dry lands and give strength to your bones. You'll be like a garden that has much water, like a spring that never runs dry. If you step out of your comfort zone, you give, God will give back to you exponentially. He will of all those things, but you got to step out. So we share, we give from the abundance that he's given us. We share our lives with others. We serve others even when it's not convenient, even when it makes us uncomfortable. Do you know that God is not concerned fully with your comfort? He's not concerned fully with your convenience. You know how long I waited at Santiago's to get that burrito? I didn't complain at all. Do you know why? It was delicious. If I would have got up there and it stunk, where's that Yelp review, Right? God loves you so much, he'll make you uncomfortable sometimes so that you'll step out 
so that you can actually discover and live out your purpose. He'll make us uncomfortable. He'll put us in uncomfortable places so that we'll live out our best lives with him. So at Trinity, we practically give you connection points, ways for you to get involved, ways for you to serve. So these are some of the serving opportunities at TCC. If you've got your phone, pull it out real quick. You'll never hear a pastor say that ever. <laughs> pull out your phone right now. Pull out your camera and just set it on that QR code right now. What that's going to do is going to take you to our website. And on our website, that serve page that it's going to take you right to, will show you all of the giving up or the, the serving opportunities here at Trinity Community Church. We're a large, growing, vibrant church, and we need your help. We've got all kinds of ways that you can connect here. How many of you enjoyed the, the coffee and the pastries this morning, the, the, the muffins and stuff like that? Do you know we have a baking team? That's right, I said it. You know what their job is? To bake. And it's phenomenal. If you like to bake, you don't know what to do, you get on that baking team. I'm trying to get on the baking testing team. That's still in the works. It's not quite there yet. We have hospitality teams. We got kids ministry down there. It's amazing. How many of you like Legos? If you like Legos, go down there. Our kids need your help. I was here on Friday night. There was about 70 teenagers here. If you got a tetanus shot, I recommend it. Come check it out. Came out, got some popcorn, got out of Dodge. There's all kinds of things to do. We got cleaning teams here. Here's the point. Find something that connects with your heart and get involved. Don't just receive. Give. We had people here yesterday mopping, sweeping, cleaning so that you and I could be here today in a beautiful building. Part of service. It is. Come. Get involved. Sign up. So we have the, these normal things that we do and then we have... Um, are larger, more targeted events. For example, in October, uh, this little thing called Family Fest is happening. What is Family Fest? It's a way for us to love our community extravagantly. We're expecting between four and 5,000 people here on October the 31st. You heard the numbers right. It's an opportunity for our families and our community to come and have an amazing time. There'll be games, there'll be candy, uh, there'll be inflatables, there'll be giveaways, there'll be food. Why will there be food? Because we're Trinity Community Church, and your pastor is chunky. We have a corn maze this year, we've got hay rides, we've got all kinds of stuff. Why do we do this? To show our community practical love. And every time we do it, I can't tell you how many people I talk to during the event, hundreds. Why are you doing? What? There's no, what's in it for you? Nothing. What's the catch? There is no catch. Jesus said to love, so guess what we're going to do? We're going to take him at his word. We're just going to love people. So how can you help us at Trinity, you know, here to, to do Family Fest? Well, there's some practical ways you can help. You can pray. Next week, we're launching a prayer initiative. We have a prayer initiative. We're going to pray every day for 30 days in October before we get to the event. Why? Because prayer is the gasoline and the engine of the church. And if we want to impact, you know, the, the, our community with the good news, we got to pray. Amen. What's another thing you can do? Well, you can give. We need candy. We got to fill up those candy bins three times over, each of them. You know how much candy it takes to satisfy 4,000 kids? It's a lot of candy. It's crazy. We need your practical support. We need your body. Come and sign up. Work something. I think at the egg hunt, we had 110 on our serve team. 110 volunteers. We need 150 this year. We also need your financial support. The budget right now we're looking at is going to sit around $15,000. Why do we do that? Because we love our community. 
We've already had people starting to give toward Family Fest because they were a part of it and they've seen the impact of it. We have people in our church right now, their first touch and taste of Trinity was Family Fest or the egg cut. We've had people here in our church, beloved, that have moved from death to life. There is no reason for us to do this as a church because it's a lot of hard work. You know why we do this? Because we love God and people extravagantly. That's why we do this. Get involved. Share your life. Don't get stuck at just being a spiritual consumer. So, in review, at Trinity Community Church, we are passionate about loving God and people extravagantly. We go the extra mile when it comes to loving God. We love him with our time, our talent, and our treasure, and we go the extra mile with loving people. At Trinity Community Church, we are committed to growing in our faith. I am responsible for my spiritual development, and we're committed to helping others to grow. I don't live all by myself on an island. And at Trinity Community Church, we are committed to sharing our faith, our faith stories, and our lives with others. I can think of no greater example of that than Jesus sharing his life with us. God sharing for us the best that he had, his son. In a few minutes, we're going to close with communion. We're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So this is what I'd like to ask you today. Bow your heads just for a second. I want you to ask the Spirit. Say, Lord, what are you asking of me? What are you requiring of me to do? For some of you, when I talked about love, man, that passionate love didn't reflect your faith. Whatever the Spirit starts to highlight in your heart right now, lean into that. For some of you, man, maybe you're here and you've stopped growing. Ask God to help you to grow. For some of you here, maybe you've never shared your faith. This is a beautiful season and an opportunity for you to step into this new thing with Him. Listen, ask Him. Say, God, what would you ask me to do? Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.